I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Jake, a Newcastle fan. You can get me on Twitter at Jake Jaffer with two M's. Hello, my name is Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool for a Swedish website called lfcsv.se. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. I figure we'll start off talking a little bit about Liverpool and that fantastic match uh, they just had against Manchester City. Uh, Some interesting refereeing decisions. Let's just get that out of the way first. But it didn't really prevent the match from being just an excellent watch for the neutral. I'm sure a very stressful one. (laughs) Someone uh, supporting one of those clubs there, Thomas. But uh, Jake, we'll just start off with you. From that kind of neutral perspective, what did you take away from that incredible match today? And and which side impressed you the most on balance of, of the full 90 minutes? Yeah, it was a really good game for the neutral. Uh, I probably enjoyed it a lot more than Thomas did, but um, <laughs> there was a lot of good moments in Netherlands for even if they didn't didn't win. Um, for me, I think my, my main takeaways were just um, the first one being, being about Liverpool was that um, the fact that Trent was out and they were missing Trent and they brought Milner in uh, at right back. It's just I don't think there's a team, uh, another you know big title challenger in the Premier League that has such a drop down from their first eleven to their sub options. I just felt that Milner particularly was very poor. I don't think he's a right back, especially not at his age now. I think he can do a job in the central uh, midfield, but as a right back, he did look really poor. And it, it's worrying for Liverpool that just one or two injuries in a, in a few positions could really lead to that massive, massive downgrading quality. And I think that Thomas would, would probably know more than me, but I don't think it's right back is the only position that would happen. So um, it is a worry for Liverpool. Um, because for me, I think Liverpool have been up there as probably one of the best teams this season, probably with Liverpool, uh, with uh, Manchester City and Chelsea. But uh, I'd, I'd probably say for me that Liverpool are the ones that I'm more optimistic about winning the title than any of the other ones now. I still I still don't think they will, but they're definitely, they've definitely risen for me in the way I expect them to, um, in who I expect to challenge for it. So, um yeah, I, it, it was a good performance from them, but I'm just worried about their squad depth. And, and it's not it's not blaming Milner for that. I think there's other players that that have similar flaws in the in the squad. Um, and for City, I just think that this week they played Chelsea, PSG, and Liverpool, and they've probably been the dominant force in all three matches. So even though they've only you know they've won one, drawn one, and lost one, you can just really see that how good a team City are. And uh, I for me that. They're the best team in the world in, in two thirds of the pitch. Uh, that you know the defensive and the mid, midfield third. They are the best team in the world. It's just up front that at the moment they've been having a few struggles. I don't think they've got the right combination of players. Um, I don't think they've got a natural goal scorer in their team. So normally that's fine because they're keeping so many clean sheets and, and restricting the opposition uh, opposition to 
so few chances that they only really need to score one or two to win a game. Uh, we saw that at Leicester a few weeks ago um, and and against Chelsea last week. But today, Liverpool were just so good uh, going forward. Obviously, Manning and uh, Salah both played very, very well. And once Liverpool scored once and then twice, you just couldn't see, you know, a, a draw really looked the maximum City could get from that. Um, so, yeah, if I was Guardiola, I'd probably be looking to try and find a, a more permanent solution to their strike, um, their striking issues. I think that Ferran Torres, whenever he seems to play, they seem to win games more comfortably. And I think he, mm. he, he definitely deserves more minutes. I don't know what, I don't think he's played a single minute in like any of the last three games, which is, is weird because he played really well against Arsenal. Um, there's another couple of games at the start of the season he looked really good in uh, and lot, towards the back end of last season as well. I, I does that line up with when De Bruyne came back? Yeah, yeah, I think it, yeah, I think it does. Yeah, but I think when they played against us last season, they did as well. He scored a hat trick. He just looked so clinical in the 18 yard box. I don't know why they're not using him because they're, they're always going to create so many chances. Like there was a chance today when Sterling sort of got through and didn't know what to do with it. Um, Grealish and Foden both had a few chances when they got in. And I just, I just think with a player like Torres, he's just so much more clear of thought in the final when he gets in the penalty box. And he's definitely gained a lot of the qualities you'd want from a striker, even if he's not a natural striker. So I'm not sure why he's not playing more. Um, and I think that we might see him, especially um, it's against some of the weaker teams, he, he should play. But I, I think he should play in nearly every game now. Or they should play Jesus up front. I just, I just don't like the way they're using Grealish at the moment. They're sort of a false nine. I don't think it suits them. But um, yeah, that's the one problem for City. I just think might be um, if they concede, I think they're going to struggle to win games, which is strange when we've seen how quick, how many goals they've scored under Pep. But at the moment, it just doesn't seem to be clicking for them. But yeah, I think both teams can emerge with a lot of credit from this, and I think that this game probably strengthens the title credentials of both teams. You know, Liverpool managing to to get something from the game when they had key players, uh, when they had Trent missing and they, and it wasn't quite going for them at the back. I think John Henderson was quite poor as well. So it's not like that. They had a lot of poor, they had a few poor performances and still managed to get something. And for City, um, you know, they've, beat, they've now um, played Chelsea and Liverpool away in successive weeks and uh, got four points. So yeah, they, they're doing fine as well. So I definitely think these two, alongside Chelsea, but I'd probably put these two above Chelsea now. Uh, in who I think is going to win the league. I definitely think it's going to be between these two. Uh, yeah, well, I think that Jake makes a great point on uh, James Milner. He is, he is not a right-sided defender. He's a midfielder, and his, his, his speed is not getting any better with his, uh, with his age. And today he was very lucky not to be sent off. He could have been sent off twice, and we could have had a, a penalty against us in the first half. So, of course, we missed Trent Alexander. And Ronald a lot, and uh, that is a problem because he we miss him now and then. He's not a player who's fit uh, the whole season. Um, and when he's out, we need to play Milner or, or Joe Gomez, and none of them are at the same level. We had the same problem on the other side before this season, but now that Costas Simicas has showed what he can do, the, the problem on the other side isn't as big as on the right side. But I do think that we are title contenders. Um, I don't think we are not favorites. And uh, during the first half today, it was easy to see why, because City were all over us in the first half. And I have to say that they impressed me a lot, especially in the way that they ruled the midfield. Um, I think that I've underestimated uh, City a bit. Again, I did that this last season as well. This was a very important week for them. <laughs> How did that go now... around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> because when you look at their starting eleven, it's not it's not maybe as good as it was a few years ago, but they still keep on winning, and it's a it's a bit annoying as a Liverpool supporter, but <laughs> it's just just get used to it. Um, it was an important week for them, and now they have four points from Chelsea and Liverpool away, which is very impressive. If they had lost those two games, their season would be in a very different situation, and uh, perhaps they would uh, change their focus on Champions League. Uh, they didn't give us any time at all today, and a player like Bernardo Silva seems to be back at his best, and uh, that's not good news for us and the other teams at the top, because when he plays like this, he is a world-class player. And they have a big squad and many players have played under Guardiola for quite a while. And to come to Anfield and make us look this small as they did in the first half, that isn't something you see very often. Um, I do think we came out at a, as a better team in the second half, but over 90 minutes, we're, I think we relied a bit more on individual brilliance than solid team play. And uh, one of the main reasons is that we, can't, we couldn't get away with three points is that we have problem in the midfield. Uh, since Vinaldum left, one of the three starting players is out. And since he left, I don't think that Fabinho and Henderson has really worked together as well as they did last season. Uh, we started the season with Keita, we've tried Thiago, now it's uh, Jones. So we haven't found the right fit in the midfield yet. And uh, I think we need to do that if we want to have a chance to win the title in the end. Um, my bet is that City will finish above us, but um, I think there is more to come from our team because last season was a mess. And even though the start of this season has been a bit bumpy, I have a feeling that we will get better and better over time. And maybe we can be there close to the top towards the end of the season. But uh, it's worrying that we haven't, that we haven't been managed to beat uh, either Chelsea or City at home at the start of this season, because if, if we had won one of those games, we have been in a, a better situation now. And now perhaps we need to get some points from the away games later this season. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, mentioning that you, you're already a little bit behind those two, just based on the head-to-head -head matches that you've had with them, and what's already been mentioned about the injury stuff. Do you think that that might be a little bit too deep of a, a, a hole or if you stay fit the rest of the year could you do something incredible like uh you and city both did what was that two or three years ago where i think combined you guys dropped like four yeah. points the second half of the year yeah yeah i think if we if we if our players stay fit and we get in a if we get a good run i think we can play almost in the same way as we did uh, that season because uh Van Dijk is back and he is looking real good. And we have, a, I think we have a better squad now than uh, when we won the league because we have added Thiago and uh, we have added Jota, we've added Konate, uh, and they are better than the players who left. Perhaps uh, players like Firmino, a bit uh, uh, around Mané, they are, they are maybe not as good as they were two years ago. But I think that um, if, we get a, if we get a good run and the players, these players get uh, their confidence back, I think that we can uh, manage to compete with City to the end. Yeah, and I, I think it'll be a really exciting title race beginning to end. Do we all agree, sorry to, for the for the drive-by shot here, United fans, but do we all agree that they're kind of fourth out of four and that it's really these three that, that might end up, you know, having a say in who wins the title? I think as, as, as long as uh, Manchester United doesn't change their manager, I'm quite <laughs> confident that we will uh, finish above them. Uh, yeah, for, for me, definitely. Um, I, I think Manchester United at the moment, uh, 
going through some stuff and we all know what the cause of their problems are and it doesn't look like they're trying to rectify that um you know individual quality alone will get them into the top four i don't see tottenham getting into the top four under nuno i don't see Mm. i think leicester have dropped off quite a lot and arsenal though they're they're probably the one improving the most we saw at the weekend that after a few good results for them they the performance of brighton wasn't great so yeah i think that Manchester United are going to be in the top four by default, but I don't see them getting much higher than that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And Thomas, you mentioned the uh, manager thing. And, and I think if you asked any Manchester United fan, the manager is a, obviously a topic of debate, but I think it's just that defensive midfield thing. That that McFred combination is is not anything more than maybe top four stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how all that shakes out. But hopefully we'll get a pretty cool uh, title run. And it is fun that, that Chelsea might be in the mix there. So it isn't just... Uh, Liverpool versus City again for like the fourth straight year. Um, <laughs> we will leave that there and move on to the international break since we are now in it. Um, last international break was a huge mess um, with all of the red list country issues. We even saw uh, some Argentinian players in the Premier League getting arrested in the beginning stages of their match with Brazil. Uh, so that was uh, interesting. <laughs> but it seems like we're trying to avoid that issue now. Premier League players can now go to red list countries, come back to England, and train and play as long as they stay inside that bubble as they quarantine. Are we thinking that this will solve enough of that big issue, or, or do we feel they've kind of left unaddressed the, the large amount of unvaccinated Premier League players? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a concern, really, the amount of unvaccinated players. I know it's a, it's quite a hot topic. Um, I know that a lot of managers have said that a lot of uh, players still haven't been vaccinated. And, uh, yeah, I think that we're going to run into problems with um, players going away, going to international duty, and then maybe playing the next Saturday, and then stuff coming out to to make, you know, cause issues. I, I don't think it's going to run cleanly, whatever happens. Uh, I think it's probably the right decision to let the players go. I just think that, um, yeah, you know, we, players, I know clubs own the players' contract and uh, they pay the wages, but... It, set, it didn't sit right with me in the last international break. So every player that wanted to go away to play for their country weren't allowed to. It did seem a little bit um, big brotherish that we were just controlling what they could and couldn't do. Uh, so I didn't really like that, uh, especially for, I think it was Rafinha, got his first goal off for Brazil and couldn't go. So yeah, stuff like that. Um, it, it was a bit of a shame. So I'm happy they're going to go now, but I think we're going to run into problems um, one way or another, whether that'll be um, players coming back and testing positive or um, a player getting seriously injured uh, or seriously ill through it. I know we had that at Newcastle, Carl Darlow got, got COVID. I don't think he was vaccinated and he got quite ill with it. He was hospitalised for a little bit. So we can maybe see something like that. And yeah, it's it's a worry. Uh, I think the only good thing about this, we are going to eventually get to a point where, you know, there'll be a few weeks without, um, a few months without international travel. And I'm sure once we get around to February, March, it'll be a a lot safer in a lot of parts of the country, uh, a lot of parts of the world. So it should be fine by then. But yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to balance. I can see both points of view. I probably sympathise more with the players because, um, yeah, it's difficult to to sympathise with the clubs um, who we we know really only have one interest. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they're allowed to go. But I think we're going to run into problems whether that be a, a serious illness or. A, um, some, I don't know, the government coming out and, and changing their mind and, and putting restrictions in for, for these players, I'm not sure, but it's never going to, it's never, it's not going to be um, it's not all going to go smoothly but um, yeah, I'm glad they're going this time because it, it, it was a bit of a 
yeah, it was a bit of a joke last time, especially with those Argentinian players. Um, and I think was it the I know Aston Villa was ones were allowed to go. We, what, didn't the Tottenham players just sort of go on their own accord? I thought that was yeah. quite funny. Yeah, it was a so, bit yeah. of a mess, and then they had to do like the Croatia workaround, which some people thought was uh, ethically dubious. But yeah, hopefully yeah. this eliminates some of those issues. Definitely, yeah. I think that it, it everybody's in the same boat this time, but I I can't help but fear there's going to be some issues. Um, whether that be when they come back or a couple of weeks later down the line. Um, I think it's hard to have an opinion on these uh, COVID regulations, uh, especially because I feel a bit uh, selfish when I think about the Liverpool situation and what happened last time when uh, we didn't know if we could play uh, Alisson or uh, Fabinho um, the day before our game. Um, Of course, this uh, change makes it a bit easier, but... um, it's a situation we've never been in before, and there are, of course, many interests to keep in mind. And when I look at it, my interest is only on Liverpool. And um, the best thing for our club would have been not to send them away. Uh, I think it's a better solution than last time, but um, I'm not sure that I think it's fair on the players as well to not let them see their families for such a long time. I think uh, Klopp said that the, the Brazilian players couldn't see their families for, for uh, 22 days. Mm. and. Uh, then it's only a month to the next international break. And um, even though the, these are privileged players, of course, but uh, they also have families and children. So it's a, it's a difficult question. Um, and of course, it's easy for me to say because I don't care a lot about the internationals. I just want those breaks to end. But um, in my opinion, I don't think it's a good idea to play these games now. Maybe we can... Uh, have a longer international break when it's safe, maybe in February or March, um, because uh, we're starting to see a bit of light in the end of this COVID tunnel, and that this is a bit risky to me. Uh, Football-wise, of course, it's a better solution than last time, but it it would have been difficult to make a worse one than they did at that time. So maybe they could have just uh, kept the team in a bubble when they get to the countries and then let them get back to normal right away when they are back. But uh, I guess that is risky as well. So, as I said, it's a it's a very difficult situation. But uh, I, I I just want us to be very very careful now that, that uh, the people are getting back to the arenas and life is getting back to normal. That they don't do anything stupid. Yeah, I do agree. They they literally couldn't do worse than last time. So I suppose this is a silly question. Obviously, it's an improvement. But yeah, there could have been a lot of other potential solutions that may have left fewer gaps and as you say jake the the vaccination rate is pretty bad only seven clubs are 50 percent or or more vaccinated i think there were three that are beneath like 15 percent or something like that uh not ideal in that regard but yeah hopefully uh things get better covid wise moving forward and, and this will become less of an issue and obviously hopefully nobody gets arrested for trying to play football during this coming international break uh i wanted to end this opening section by talking about cisco munoz who just got sacked by Watford. Everybody will will draw out that uh, 14th coach in the last 10 years thing uh, for Watford, citing how, how frequently they change. Uh, they had won just one of the last five matches, but they weren't bottom five in goals or goals conceded, uh, which just seems a little surprising. 15th in the real table, also 15th in expected points. Seemed like they were just kind of, you know, low-level cruising, you know, not, not uh, you know, blowing the, the league's doors off or anything like that, but seemed to be okay. But then they come out with the sacking, which uh, I'm just curious if this was a surprising first sacking of the year, because I know we've had this conversation on this show already, and I don't think his name even came up. 
Yeah, we we had this on. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. I think when I hosted the show, we talked about Steve Bruce. We spoke about Arteta, um, and yeah, we didn't really speak about um, yeah, that was it, Munoz, much at all. But um, I think Jamie made a comment at the time that obviously the Watford manager is always a contender, and and so it proved to be. Um, but yeah, it seems a strange base in their position on the table. Um, they sort of, sort of started pretty well, especially when you got four teams without a win so far this season and none of their managers seemingly seem under that much pressure. It did seem an odd choice, but Watford do this a lot of the time. And I think the thing that is this, uh, the thing that worries me about Watford, or at least that I can't get on board with, is I'm sure during the summer they knew this decision was going to be made at some point. They must have had doubts or thought, oh, we, we've got a, a man lined up that's more suited to in the Premier League to keep us up. Um, because obviously this... The, the skills to get out of the championship and stay in the Premier League, they are quite different. So um, you could see that maybe they, they wanted to make this change earlier. But if, if you have that point of view, I think you've just got to be ruthless with it and make the change in the summer um, rather than make it now. Because now it's, you know, they started okay. They've got seven points. Um, they've, um, yeah, they're not, they're not in a relegation zone. There's a lot of teams doing worse than them. It, it's difficult for to understand it now. Um, even if they're trying to be proactive and thinking, oh, it's an international break, we know we want to make this change. Do we want to have them in front of a month? Probably not. Fair enough, we'll go with it. Whereas, yeah, it, I can understand why they've done it. A lot's going to depend on who they bring in. Um, I know they've been linked to, to Ranieri and also Diego Martinez, who was who was quite highly rated in La Liga. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting who they bring in. It'll probably be a... a an out of the box name, I'd say not off and off Watford, um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, I, I feel a little bit sorry for for Munoz. I don't think that it's gone that badly for him so far, and he did very well in the championship. But what I would say to sort of um, I don't know, uh, defend Watford's decision is, I've the game last week, um, Newcastle Watford. Considering Newcastle, are, it, we're in a really poor position right now. We haven't won a game. There's a lot of calls about our manager losing his job mm. and we completely dominated Watford and should have won that game three or four nil. So if you're getting beat, well beaten by, by a team like Newcastle, even if you eventually do get a point out of it, you, you've got a lot of problems. And uh, yeah, I did. it was going one direction under Munoz. I don't think he would have kept them up. Um, I still don't think whoever comes in will probably keep them up. I think that Watford are likely to get relegated, whatever happens. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, be interesting. I think that it's a. It's. I can understand why they've done it. As I say, and I think that it, depending who they get in, it probably does improve their chances somewhat. But yeah, I still worry for them. And uh, yeah, I think they should have made the decision in the summer if this is how they think, um, and they didn't. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's a, it's quite a strange uh, decision, but of course you can never be surprised when Watford when Watford sacks a manager because it ha- happens uh, now and then. I haven't seen many of their games this season, so I can't say anything about the way they have played. Um, we play them next, and um, now we'll see probably see a different Watford than uh, they have started this season. Uh, they are a newly promoted team. They have seven points after seven games. I think that is a decent start, and they, looking at their squad, I don't think that uh, you could demand anything else from them. Uh, they could have had a point yesterday when they play, when they play Leeds. Uh, we're quite close in the end, but... Uh, lost and um, last time they were up they changed manager, manager too often and in the end it got them relegated and uh, 
it feels a bit short-sighted to me. And if they want to stay in the league over time, they need to find a manager they believe in and not change as soon as the results, results uh, stops coming. Because um, if you look at uh, a team like uh, Aston Villa, who, has, who got up and almost got relegated, they kept their manager. And now they have a strong squad and they have um, a manager who the, the, the board believe in. And I think that if Watford wants to stay in the Premier League this time, they need to find the right manager now. And uh, this has to be a manager that they believe in over time. Even if they are relegated, they have to get a manager that they can keep in a way that maybe Norwich has done. Because if you keep changing managers like this, it's hard to get a, a solid solid team over time. Yeah, it's definitely some interesting points. And we have seen a couple of clubs do the three managers in a year thing. <laughs> maybe the hope is to avoid doing that. Uh, but yeah, it'll be very interesting to see who... They do bring in, if it is Ranieri, would you be happy to see him back in the Premier League? Obviously, he's the one being mentioned in the news right now, although he's obviously not announced or anything like that. Yeah, I I mean, I'd like to see him back. I like Claudio Ranieri. I think he's a, he's good entertainment in press conferences. He's a nice, he's clearly a nice bloke. Uh, obviously, he did very well with Leicester, but I don't think he's a, I think the, the game's passed him by now. I think we saw in Italy last season. Uh, he didn't do too great, um, and yeah, I think that I don't. I don't think that's an appointment that would inspire confidence in me, especially seeing how he did at Fulham last time as in Premier League as well. It didn't didn't quite go too well, so I'd probably want to avoid that if I was Watford. Um, but Diego Martinez, I think for me, is, is is more suited to where they are now, and it, that's the type of one they normally make bringing in a coach for for their, their first crack at English football. That seems to be more in the, the DNA of Watford than bringing in Radieri. That That's too similar to what they did with Pearson, and that didn't work out too well. So, um, yeah, I don't think that would be a good appointment at all. Uh, well, I think that Radieri was a bad choice when Leicester signed him. So that, that proved, proved, was proved a bit uh, wrong at that time. But I think that I think the game is, is past Radieri now. He's getting a bit older and... Um, his, his last sessions in the Premier League hasn't been very impressive. So I think if Watford wants to stay, they need to find a, a younger manager who can uh, do something new, not get uh, a, a manager like Ranieri and just to, just to maybe finish above relegation zone because then they will be in the, exact, in the same spot next season as well. And they will probably sack Ranieri and try to find the right man at that time. So I think it's better to find a more... Um, a better manager for uh, for time to come. Gotcha. Well, we'll certainly keep our eye on that on that management position, and maybe they'll continue to fare better. Although, if they fared exactly how they have done this far, they'd be on pace for a fifteenth place finish, which of course would mean safety and a spot in next year's Premier League. All right, we will take a quick break now, and then we'll be back with club specific questions for each of our guests. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, and we are back. Jake, we'll start off with you. Uh, we were kind of just talking about managers, and you alluded to the fact that Steve Bruce's head might be on the block after not getting any wins thus far. Obviously, everyone's disappointed with, with his performance this year. And I think coming into the year, we thought the attack would be enough. Um, and you've only failed to score in one match thus far, but thus far you've conceded twice as many goals as you've actually scored. How much of your issues this year is just the defense? And is it the tactics? Is it the players available? What, what's going on at the back there for Newcastle, where you've typically been strong? Um, yeah, for me, the the problem still is the manager. I think Thomas just spoke about Ranieri there saying, you know, he could maybe come into Watford, keep them off. But if he does that, they're going to be back there next year. And that's exactly what's happened with Newcastle. We've got Steve Bruce. He's managed to keep us up twice. But like last year, when, when we finished the season strongly, it, it was so little to get excited about because we knew we'd just be right back in the same situation next year. Um, and definitely as a fan now, it's it's so difficult to get excited about our game. He definitely sucks all the joy out of... I mean, any joy that was left um, by Mike Ashley has been sucked out by Steve Bruce. And uh, it's just, yeah, listen to the way he talks after matches. He always speaks about how we've how we're unlucky not to get more from the game, how we've played well. And it, it just insults the intelligence of the fans a little bit because it's so clear that we're not playing well. Uh, last week against Watford, we did play quite well. We didn't get any, we got a point. Uh, we should have won that game. That is the only game this year that we should have got that we should have won. Um we were dominated at home by Southampton, um, another team that hasn't won yet. Um we yesterday it was a close game, but Wolves are just so much more clinical and just looked so much cleaner across the pitch. Um, and yeah, the, the defense is an issue. Like we've, uh, we have to score at least two to even have a chance of winning a game at the moment. And uh, although we are doing better in attack, it's definitely um, to the detriment of the defense. Um, we don't have any good central defenders really. Um, I think the last time we signed a centre back was in 2017. So if you're gonna, if you're not gonna sign a centre back for four years, you're not gonna get better defensively. Um, we've just got a lot of aging centre backs. You know, Kieran Clark, Fernandez. Um, Shah, they're all a bit one-paced. Uh, Lascelles, um, it's probably not got that much better, but he's our best centre-back option. He gets injured a lot. Um, and yeah, we just seem to be flitting all around the formations. We we started with five at the back. Uh, at the start of the season, we moved to like four at the back recently. Yesterday, mid-game, we switched to five at the back again. It just seems to be no consistency in selection. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a lot of reliance on individual players to score goals and get us in uh get us into winning positions it's just not going too well at the moment like 
the last three weeks we've played Watford, Leeds and uh, Wolves. We've taken two points from it. That's not good enough. You're not going to stay up in the Premier League playing those matches and not winning a single one of them. Um, yeah, it's really worrying. Everybody can see the direction of travel right now. Um, the longer that Steve Bruce stays as manager, the more likely it is we're going to get relegated. He, he's had his two years of staying up. He's not going to deliver a third. Um, he's just like I, I, if he left Newcastle tomorrow, would he get another Premier League job at any point at any level? And the answer is no, he no. wouldn't. He wasn't even close to getting a Premier League job before we got him. He just got he, he just got appointed by the most unambitious owner. Um, and yeah. It's, to be fair, he surprised me that he's managed to keep us up in the Premier League this long. Um, we definitely, you know, I won't believe what some pundits say. I think our squad's easily good enough to stay up, despite the defensive issues. I just think that if you had a good enough coach that could get a system in place to, to get the best of your attacking players and um, have a little bit of structure at the back, then we'd probably stay up with quite uh, some comfort. But yeah, it's it's not going to be Steve Bruce that delivers that and. If we stay up, it would just be because there's three worst teams, not because we'll get any better. Um, I'm sure there will be points where we win matches this season. I don't think we're going to, you know, I, I, we will win a few matches. I don't think we're going to get relegated easily. If we did go down, I'm sure it would, wouldn't be till like late April or May. But I just think that's the direction it's going in. And I think the the, the, the word this morning is that the, Mike Ashley still isn't planning on making a managerial change, which which just astounds me um there's been um reports put out there that eddie howe and chris model would both be interested in the job like we're under my question we're not going to get a good a quality manager in we got lucky with benitez i think it was just a, it, the timing on that after he left real madrid it just worked out well but uh, we're not going to get a manager like that in again so chris wilder and eddie howe you know i would even one of them be better than steve bruce they probably both would be i think that the damage Steve Bruce has done with his relationship with the players, with the fan base, it's, it's, he's, you know, he's not, he's never going to get it back. It's, he's, we're always going to be one bad performance, bad result away from talking about his job. So at some point, we're just going to have to, to let him go, and hopefully that's sooner rather than later. I'm sure, I'm sure if we get to the next international break and we haven't won, I don't think he'll be manager then, but. Yeah, the the longer he leaves it, the less likely it is that we'll be able to, to repair the situation. The defence is an issue, but it's just a it's a symptom of the manager. It's not it's not really a not the cause of why we're where we're at. Interesting. Uh, regardless of whether it's Bruce or whoever comes in next, do you think a potential solution would be to play a more attacking style, since that seems to be where the majority of your talent lies? I think he's tried to do that. I think that's what he's tried to do. He's tried to. Um, get play a more front foot style. Try to press a little bit, but the pressing is just so out of sync. It's not we're not pressing as a team, and if you're just pressing as individuals, it's a waste of time. But he's trying. We're creating a lot more chances. We are having a lot more of the ball in in the opposition half. We're def- there's definitely been an improvement, or at least a change in imp- change in approach. But I, he's never going to deliver it in a in a way to get results on a consistent basis. So and whatever we do while he's here, it's it's not going to work. We 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 I'm sure like at the end of like the back end of last season we got results because of the, the players we have. I'm sure when Wilson gets back we'll probably be a little bit better and and win a few games. But he's never yeah 
I just can't. I just can't. I can't see how he can fix the situation. I, I just don't think he can. Gotcha. Well, uh, good luck with all of that. <laughs> Hopefully, you can get in a manager you you like. And I think what's really interesting about the Eddie Howe and Chris Wilder uh, links is it's kind of choosing which direction you want to try to bolster. So it'll be interesting to see if if you sack him and if you do, which direction you choose to go there. Uh, all right, we'll come to you now, Thomas, to talk a little bit about Liverpool. Obviously, we talked a, a fair bit about the match at the beginning, but I have to ask you probably the biggest question coming out of that match, which is, is it still weird seeing Klopp not wear glasses? <laughs> <laughs> I have to also yes on that one because, uh, you know, at the, when, he, when he signed those, those eyes and the glasses was on, uh, on scarves and on uh, cups and so mm-hmm. around Anfield. And I don't know if they had to change this, those kind of things now because uh, the glasses was a big part of him. <laughs> Yeah, it seemed like it was part of his identity, the clear glasses. It was a very artsy look. Uh, but, you know, there you go. Times change, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> in a slightly more serious note, uh, here in the States, they immediately after the match started a, is Salah the best player in the Premier League thing? Is he the best player in the world conversation? That, that's uh, maybe not the approach I would take. So I'm, I'm more curious from your perspective, if there's another player either in the Premier League or in world football that you would take over Mohamed Salah, if you're a Liverpool player, you know, or if, as, a, as a Liverpool fan, if there's anyone that you would just prefer to be in your 11 than him in an attacking sense, or if it is just him and you'd rather just stick? Um, the way that Salah plays now, I wouldn't change him for um, anyone in the world. Of course, uh, his age is uh, the only bad thing because he's, he's uh, getting closer to his 30s and you know we know that he has... He might be not, not be this good in uh, five years or so. So if you look at the age thing, maybe Holland would be a, a better player to have in your squad. But in, the way he plays now is uh, it's amazing. I think he's changed a bit since he arrived in the Premier League because his first season he scored many goals from uh, from the right side when he switched in with his left foot and uh, put the ball in the in the corner. But nowadays he scores in so many ways. He He's, he's more of a striker and goal scorer now than he was when he came to Liverpool. And before the game today, I would have said that he's not as good um, in one-to-one as he was when he signed. But um, today, he, uh, the, second, the second goal for us today was... Um, yeah, it reminded brilliant. me a lot about the goal. Yeah, it was almost like the goal he scored against Tottenham a few years ago. Uh, we didn't manage to win that game either. Uh, but um, of course, the one the one player that I compare him to now is uh, Luis Suarez when he was at uh, at his best at Liverpool because that is the closest thing you can see to Mohamed Salah, and uh, it's, so it's it's quite easy to forget how good Luis Suarez was that season when we almost won the league. He, maybe he was a bit more um, bit more of a, he did score in many ways, not in the same way Salah because Salah is now more of a a player scores in the penalty area, and, Sa- and Suarez could score from from uh, the halfway line. But um, the way that Salah started this season is uh, is better than I thought. Yeah, he was good last season as well, but not in not like this. And when he came to Liverpool, he, he needed a few chances before he scored. If he had three or four chances in a game, maybe he scored once or twice. Nowadays, he only needs one chance, and then he scores. And um, I think that his um, his uh, passing and the way he makes the the assists to Mané's goal shows a bit about uh, shows how much he has developed in that way. Because at first he was he, 
the only thing that he could see when he got the ball was the goal. And then he, he tried to score. Now we can see his, um, team, his, the other players in the team as well. And uh, that makes him even harder to defend against. Uh, if we just could get uh, Mane on the other side to be as uh, consistent as uh, Salah, uh, this can be a very, very interesting season. And um, the big issue for us is, of course, the African uh, Championship in, uh, after, after Christmas, because we will miss him for about a month. Uh, I think it's only two games in the league that he won't be able to play, but uh, we don't know about the COVID situation at, at that time, and perhaps he needs to quarantine when he comes back. And so uh, that is a big issue for us, because behind Mohamed Salah and uh, behind Mania, behind Jota Firmino, we have Minamino, we have uh, Origi, and the gap between those players in uh, quality is uh, huge. Yeah, I think that's all fair, especially the age point that you were making that, you know, it, it is in his prime right now, you wouldn't want anyone else. Long term, it becomes more of an issue. And obviously, Liverpool are facing that decision themselves with a big uh, contract decision looming on whether or not to extend him despite his age or whether to uh, allow him to move on. What do you think the club will do? And, and as a fan, what would you prefer? Uh, well, I would prefer if we just gave him a new contract and maybe signed him up for maybe t- until he's 33, 34. I think when you look at his um, the way he plays, I think he's adapted a bit, bit more to his age and he's not only relying on his speed now. So I think that he will score goals even when he gets older. I'm a bit worried about uh, what the club will do because uh, I think that he will demand quite, um, quite high wages and, of course, uh, if you look at what the other players in the league earns, I don't see a reason why he should be on half Ronaldo's wage. Uh, but um, I'm not sure that the club will give him the contract that he wants. Uh, after the way he started this season, I think they they should do and they have to give him a contract. But I'm a bit worried that they won't. Uh, they let uh, Vinaldum go for free. And uh, if they do that with Salah, it will be... Um, a big blow to the club and I, I hope that they won't but um, I thought that this contract would be solved right now because they signed many players during the summer and uh, it's taking time with Salah and uh, he should be the first one up if they want to sign a new contract. Um, we can't keep Salah, Mane, Firmino forever and of course one of them needs to leave soon, maybe this summer but I think that uh, I have always thought that Mane would be the one who would stay at Liverpool at the longest but uh, the way Salah is performing now, we have to try to keep him. And I think that he wants to stay. And uh, it will be a money issue. And um, it's, it's just up to Liverpool how much they want to, to break the, the wage structure. Because he will, I think he will demand to be the highest paid player in Liverpool. And he deserves to be. Uh, it just comes down to how, mu- how much more he wants to earn than the other players. Yeah, I certainly think he deserves it. I, I just have a little bit of hesitation from the outside looking in, having seen what's happened at Arsenal every time they've tried to extend a player that's north of 30. But I, I think we, we can tell that uh, Salah will be able to hang on a little bit longer than than some of those guys. So best of luck. And uh, I think kind of with the Kane situation, good news. You either get to keep a good player or get money. <laughs> either uh, are, are pretty good long term uh, all right we'll move from there into player watch where i just wanted to quickly ask you guys which player has been the most pleasant surprise for your club thus far this season 
Yeah, for Newcastle, I don't know if anybody's really been uh, that good, so it's difficult to, to answer. Um, I'd probably say St. Maximum, um, even though I thought I knew he was good and obviously one of our best players, but he's, take, he's taken a leap forward in his end product, which is really, uh, it's pleasantly surprised me, at least, because uh, I didn't know if he had it in him, but he does seem to be stepping up again, even if the team are, are dreadful. Uh, he makes matches worth watching, so... Uh, yeah, he's been really good. Um, hopefully, there will be a few more players that sort of uh, emerge over the coming weeks. I think Sean Longstaff slowly getting back to to his best football after a couple of years of um, some quite ordinary stuff. So yeah, those two are the main ones to jump up. But yeah, so Maxman's definitely taken a major leap forward. And if we do, well, whether we stay up or go down, I'm sure there'll be a lot of clubs looking at him next summer because where there were doubts before. I don't think there are now. So, um, yeah, he's definitely um, been really good to watch the season and, um, yeah, definitely improving on a weekly basis. Uh, well, if it hadn't been for the injury against Leeds, it would have been easy to say Harvey Elliott because he was brilliant as long as he was fit and he was unlucky. And now we won't see him in a while. And it was a big blow for us because it was it was so fun to watch this young guy play and uh, I think that was just what Liverpool needed as well, a young player coming into this um, a bit aging, aging squad. But uh, now we have to wait for him a while. And, and uh, if I have to choose another player, the most pleasant surprise to me is uh, Kostas Simikas. Uh, it wasn't many years ago our best left-sided defender was uh, Alberto Moreno. And before that it was uh, Dosena or Paul Konczewski. And uh, well, it, it's been a problem for many years. Then we signed Robertson and, and uh, found ourselves a world-class player. But behind Robertson, it has been uh, it has been empty. We haven't had anyone remotely close to his standards uh, when he has been out, and, he, and and that's been an issue for us because he has been forced to play almost every game, and that made him look a bit tired last season. Uh, we signed uh, Timikas last season, but when he came in, it was it was a bit spoiled season for him because he got injured, he got COVID. Uh, but now we've seen him play a few times, and I have to say that he isn't far behind Robbo. His uh, set pieces is a dangerous weapon. I think I have three or four assists already. And he's, he's always an option going forward without being too bad at defending either. So even though Robertson still is number one, with Tsimik uh, as a backup, he really needs to perform to keep his place in the team. And I think that is very important. Uh, it would be great for Liverpool if we, we could find uh, a player like Tsimik on the right side, because we talked about Milner earlier as uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold's backup. And uh, now the right side is a, is a problem when Alexander Ronald is out, but when uh, Robertson is missing, Tsimikas can, uh, can come into the team and uh, make and play like we don't miss Robertson. And that is uh, very important for us this season. We hopefully get to play many games. All right. And uh, since we don't have any match previews, I figured I'd just ask you guys quickly if this international break is coming at a good time for your sides or if you kind of wish you'd be able to just keep playing. Um, yeah, any break from football and watching Newcastle at the moment is good. So definitely, <laughs> it's definitely a good time. Uh, if anything, there should be more international breaks. They they definitely are the highlight of, of the footballing calendar for me at the moment. I mean, being an England fan and seeing what happened with England during the summer and then watching the, the complete opposite from Newcastle give me as many England games as possible. So yeah, definitely a good time. And uh, hopefully two weeks off are going to mean that Callum Wilson can get um, back to full fitness, Joe Willock can sort of shake off the issues he's been having. Jamal Lasalle can come back. 
and that a lot of work can be done on the training pitch. Um, I don't know if it's a positive that Steve Brace gets two weeks on the training pitch, but hopefully we get some players back and there are some improvements made because um, Tottenham are after the international break and despite it being Tottenham, uh, it's still a game that you should, you know, at home we should be looking to try and win, I think. Um, seeing Tottenham play against Crystal Palace a few weeks ago, I think will give anybody confidence and some of their performances in the in the Conference League as well. So, yeah, sorry, Kev, but it's, you're going to beat us because we are terrible, but it's definitely a game that I look at and think that we could get something from. So hopefully we get something from that and uh, can start picking up some points. Uh, well, um, injury-wise, I think that it comes at a good time for us because we'll probably see both Alexander-Arnold and Thiago back in action after the internationals and uh, they will be very welcome. Especially to get Trent back is very important, as we talked about earlier. And... Um, James Milner can do okay as a right back when he play when we play Crystal Palace, but when you play Manchester City, it's on another level. And today we're punished many times on his side. And I think Thiago will uh, be important as well when he comes back because um, he's had a tough time at Liverpool so far, but he's getting better and better. And if he can stay fit for a while now, it might be the solution for a midfield problem. And apart from the injuries, I never like the international breaks to come because uh, I like to watch Liverpool play in here. I have to. Next week, and I have to watch, I think, Sweden plays Kosovo at home. And uh, that's not the most uh, interesting game to watch on a Saturday. Uh, but maybe the game against uh, Manchester City is uh, special for Liverpool. And perhaps it's a good thing to have a break after a game like that and uh, then put focus back on uh, Waterford. But uh, as long as all the players come back from the internationals fit, uh, I'm happy. Gotcha. All right. Well, we will leave things there. Thanks so much to you two for coming on. If you'd like to tell folks where they could find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, you get me on Twitter, at Jake Jackson. Uh, I've been writing for quite a few different sites at the moment. And if the easiest thing, instead of listing them, is to check out my Twitter feed. I'll retweet or post about anything I do. So yeah, check that out. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I'm, my name is Thomas Nygren. You can find me on Twitter, at Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool on a Swedish website called lfcsv.se. We uh, have a few segments in English, but uh, most of the pages, uh, most of the site is in Swedish. I also uh, run a podcast called the Total Liverpool Podcast that is also in Swedish. But if there are any Swedish listeners or somebody who wants to learn Swedish, you can check that out. Yeah, why not just go get Duolingo, everybody listening? Learn you some Swedish and then listen to some of Thomas's stuff. And <laughs> Be sure to check out some of Jake's articles as well. Thanks so much to you two for joining me today. It was a pleasure as always. And folks at home, we hope you keep listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.